Hey Timberline, summer is here. The sun is blisteringly hot and so it is time for us to take a summer road trip together. Over the next four weeks, we're going to cover thousands of miles as we visit four ancient cities and take a look at the churches there too. We're going to go to Syria, to Greece, to Israel and to Turkey. I've been thinking about the mode of transport that I want to use for this epic trip and I've been so inspired by living in the biker country that is the state of Colorado that I have rented myself a really mean machine. And I've, uh, I've even got myself a leather jacket here. I, I borrowed this actually from Pastor Darius. Kind of a tight fit on me because obviously I'm a lot more muscly than he is. Well, it's time for us to hit the road. Let's go. say I'm feeling rather nervous. I am not used to this amount of raw power. This baby, it'll go from zero to 60 in about three weeks. Our first stopping off point today is Antioch in Syria, about 300 miles from Jerusalem. This thriving city of 500,000 people in ancient times, it was a beautiful place. It was known as Antioch the Golden. It also had a dark side too a terrible reputation for immorality. It was there that God did an amazing and a really surprising work. So, let's, let's go. say please don't try those don't try those stunts at home okay <laughs> I am an experienced biker person now so hey how about a round of applause for our media team they do a good job don't they <laughs> well as you have just heard we're going to share a summer road trip together over the next four weeks and we're going to go to Antioch today Acts chapter 11 is a description of the uh, church there. So let's go and let's take a look. Acts 11 and verse 19. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, 
He brought him to Antioch, so for a whole year Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, each according to his ability, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. A couple of years ago, uh, living here in Colorado, I decided to take up skiing. As you can imagine, I'm completely rubbish at it. Uh, It's pathetic. It's like a downhill spasm. But I was... I was very excited, therefore, to be moving to Loveland, Colorado, just outside Fort Collins, because I I heard that there was great skiing at Loveland. This was going to (laughs) be really good. How many know there's no skiing at Loveland? There is skiing at Loveland, but it's the other Loveland, right? There are two Lovelands. They do that to confuse the foreigners around here. Well... There are two Lovelands in Colorado and there are two Antiochs in the New Testament. One in in Syria, now Turkey, and the other in Pisidia. Don't get them confused. And we're going to the Syrian uh, Antioch. It's about 6,000 miles um, from Fort Collins. Uh, So I was just calculating because this baby, it's it's zero to 60 in about five hours. So uh, it would take us quite a long time. The modern city... Uh, let's take a look. It's called Antakya. Antakya. This is the modern city of Antioch, uh, as it is today. And when you look at the ruins of the ancient city, you would have no clue that this was the third largest city in the Roman Empire. Half a million inhabitants uh, living there. A beautiful place. Antioch the Golden, they called it. The Queen of the East. The main street... The main street was four miles long, paved with marble, the first city in the Roman Empire to actually light their streets uh, at night. A very busy port, a very confused city. They worshipped, I don't know whether you think this is weird, because I do, they worshipped a god called Daphne. Does anyone else think that's kind of odd? I mean, if your name's Daphne, can I just say, it's a beautiful name, one of my personal favourites, but... It's a weird one for a god, isn't it? It's like having a god called Ron. (laughs) Or Harold. Who do you worship? We worship Daphne. I don't know. It's just kind of weird. Here's a photograph of a statue, an ancient statue uh, from Antioch. It was was famous for its immorality, this city. It was was famous for its uh, weird spirituality. But it was also famous in Christian history. This was the first... The first uh, great church among the Gentiles. This was the first apostolic world mission church. This was the first place uh, where believers were called Christians. But more than anything, this certainly at this stage in history was a healthy church. So let's take a little wander around uh, and, and see what we can learn from the church and the city there. If you're following in the, in the bulletin, the first thing is this. First of all, in Antioch, there is faithfulness in the midst of pain. There's faithfulness in the midst of pain. The church there was birthed in painful circumstances. Verse 19. Now, those who've been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Now, 
That persecution, you can read about it in Acts chapters 6 through 8. Stephen became the first martyr of the church. There is terror. Uh, The church is scattered. They lose homes, family members, livelihoods. And as they scatter, they begin to talk about Jesus. But make no mistake about this. These people are in trouble. I mean, they've had a terrible time but they have a very mature attitude to their suffering. And verse 21 says this, The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed. Now, hold on right there. Because if you're anything like me, when life goes wrong, I can tend to think, where has God gone? Maybe God's abandoned me. Maybe God's judging me. But I want you to see the picture here. These people are in trouble, but the hand of the Lord is with them. And the language that's used there, this is Old Testament terminology, the hand of the Lord. You read that in Exodus, you read that in Isaiah. It's one of Dr. Luke's favorite terms. He uses it a number of times as he writes the book of Acts. The hand of the Lord was with the apostles. The hand of the Lord is with John the Baptist. The hand of the Lord is against Elimas the sorcerer. So here are these people... In trouble, the hand of the Lord is with them, and then Barnabas, this good man, shows up, and here's what he says. He does not give them 50 reasons for their suffering. He doesn't explain anything. He just says, stay true to the Lord. The Greek word there means cling to the Lord, cleave to the Lord, hang on tight to God. How many of you were here last weekend when Pastor Darry was talking about faith and he talked about that little girl who was hanging on to that horse? How many many were here? You heard that? That's my kind of riding. Hang on, honey. You know, hold on to its ears so tight, its eyes are bloodshot, wild and staring. You know, I just want to hang on. That was the message that Barnabas brought to this church. Hold on. Because not only... Are we not exempted from suffering? But sometimes we will suffer more because we're Christians. Now you say, Jeff, that's not good marketing. You know, you know. Come to Jesus, get a few more problems. Well, there's more to it than that. But in Antioch, that's exactly what happened. Look at verse 26. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Now you might think, isn't that nice? They called them Christians. Lovely. No, it was, an, it was a term of insult. Uh, the Antioch, the Antiocenes were known for their cutting sarcasm and humour. So when a group of fanatical followers of the Emperor Nero showed up in town, uh, in Antioch they, they called them the Augustiani, the devotees of Caesar. So then the Christians show up and they call them the Christianoi the devotees of Jesus. It was kind of a bit of an abusive, sarcastic term. In fact, here is a coin which shows the Emperor Julian. Uh, The Emperor Julian, uh, this is a third century coin. This is an Antioch coin. Do you notice the beard there? Just just keep that image there for a moment. By the way, does anybody, any of you guys remember when I had a beard? I used to have a beard. And, And some of you helped me with that. Some of you came up to me and said, Pastor Jeff, you look like the wrong end of a rabbit. You need to just get... Just, just get rid of that thing. I, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for your help and support. God bless you. Right. 
this guy, uh, it was considered to be very unfashionable to have a pointed beard. But he had one. So what do the Antioch crowd do? They actually mint coins portraying his pointy beard. Because they're those kind of people. Sometimes we will suffer because we are Christians. Do you, do you ever find that someone says to you, I, I, I find this, they say, so uh, are you a Christian? And I want to say, well, yeah, but not that kind. Do you know what I mean by that? I feel the same way about admitting that I'm a pastor. You know, I get on an airplane with someone and you know that the travel advisory is not, if you want to have an entertaining trip, be sure to sit next to a pastor. You know that, don't you? And they say to me, what do you do? And I kind of, I, I, I don't want to say, because I know they're ahead for the emergency exit, you know. So I say something a bit more realistic, like, well, actually, I'm a movie star. Could you please laugh in the right places? And I want to say, yeah, I'm a pastor, but, you know, I'm all right, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm pretty normal. Because do you ever meet those weird Christians that freak you out? They've got weird voices. And do you know Jesus? <laughs> you know, if you'd find Jesus, you could become normal like me. <laughs> and these people are suffering because they're Christians. Are you, are you struggling right now? You're not exempted from struggle because you're a follower of Jesus. I don't care what the guy said on TV. I'm going to say it again. I don't care what the guy said on TV that you could get out of that trouble by just having enough faith or charging your visa card. In this world, you will have trouble, Jesus said. That's not our favorite verse. We haven't got that stuck on the refrigerator. (laughs) Second thing is this. Second truth is that the good news is shared as well as preached. The good news is shared as well as preached. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch. They began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. Now, there's a couple of things about this. First of all, three times in this passage, my brothers and sisters, no less than three times, Dr. Luke, who's got a a physician's eye for detail, He remarks that great numbers of people were being reached by the gospel. He is not apologetic about that. He is not hesitant. He is grateful. You know what? We've never, as as a church, decided we wanted to be a big church. There are no numerical goals. There are no graphs or charts. That's not our intention. But can can I just make this statement? We are glad and grateful that large numbers of people want to come and be part of this and hang out and hear about Jesus. Would you agree with me about that? We should give thanks to God for his blessing and his grace. Thank God. But how does that happen? Well, there are two things that are happening in Antioch. There are two Greek words that are used to describe what's going on around their their, their evangelism, if you like. The first word is laluntis, and it means to share conversation, to gossip. These people in Antioch, these Christians, they're chatting about Jesus. But then there's another word which is so long it like takes up half the page and I can't even begin to pronounce it, and it means to proclaim, to preach, to declare. Now see this. What's happening, the church is growing because the Christians are gossiping about Jesus, 
and because the Christians are proclaiming Jesus in a public setting. It's great to bring your friends to Timberline. That's a great thing. But don't just bring them here so that the preacher can get them. You know, and you like try and send us a signal or something. We have a pagan in the house. Now, can I say, if you're a visitor with us today, <laughs> and you're not a Christian, and you're just looking at all this, uh, I, I want to say, we're not, we're not here to get you. <laughs> Moments from now, we're going to get you. No, we are here to tell you the good news about Jesus. We are here to invite you to follow him. But you're not, you're not project number 43. And, you know, we need to, yeah, bring people to church to hear about Jesus, but talk, talk to them about Jesus yourself. And that, that doesn't mean being obnoxious or, or cringy. You know, I, I used to turn every conversation around to Jesus, and some of it was pretty sad. Hello, Jeff, would you like a cheese sandwich? No, thank you, for I have the bread of life. <laughs> Gag me with a noodle. I mean, what is that about? I'm not talking about you going into your workplace if you're blessed to have a job and walking in there tomorrow morning and saying, gather round, for I am a Christian noir. I have been to Timberline Church. You may touch the hem of my garment. <laughs> I'm just talking about naturally talking about Jesus. The good news is shared as well as preach. Thirdly, thirdly, in this church, grace is evident and passed around. Grace is evident and passed around. Look at verse 23. When Barnabas arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. Listen, everyone. There was evidence of God's grace. What was the evidence? It was the people. Have you seen those those living signs around Fort Collins, those people who stand at stop signs and intersections. How many know what I'm talking about? And they, they wave signs. They've even got the Statue of Liberty. How about that? Have you seen that? Those people are living signs. They just... Barnabas visits Antioch and he sees the living sign of the grace of God. There's a lot of grace around. Now, the church there didn't have much. Here is a picture of what is thought to be one of the earliest meeting places of the church in Antioch, a cave there, very, very humble circumstances. And obviously the statue and the altars and all that stuff, that's all been built later to commemorate. But these, these Christians, they, they didn't have a whole lot, but they had a lot of grace. They had a lot of grace in their welcome and forgiveness. I, I want to ask a, a question. Look at this verse. Verse 25, when Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. Now, here's a question. Now, answer up. You could win the new car. So answer this. Who was Why did the church in Antioch begin? It was begun because of persecution, right? Say yes. Who was the guy leading the persecution? Saul. Who is now number one candidate for the pulpit committee? to appoint as co-pastor to this new church. 
What are I thinking? And I'm serious because some of these people would have lost loved ones. And Saul, now converted, becomes their first co-pastor. And you know what's remarkable? It doesn't say anything about it. In fact, I missed it for years. It doesn't say, can you believe it? It doesn't say, and the people of Antioch did line up to slap Saul. Doesn't say that. It says, just went and got Saul and brought him to Antioch. There's no fuss. Who is it that drives you insane? Who is it that when you see them, you think, I would like to just tell them what for? Some of you are looking rather strangely at me right now. <laughs> grace is given. It's passed around. There's, there's grace in giving as well. Look at verse 29. The disciples, each according to his ability, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. Uh, there's this famine. In fact, it's a, it's a historical fact. Josephus, the, the Jewish historian, uh, records at least four famines during this period. One in Rome, one in Judea. Excuse me, two in Rome, one in Judea, one in Greece. Uh, they have found shreds of papyrus of receipts for grain showing the sky-high prices for grain around this period because this famine hit. But these Christianoi, these Christians, they don't just get behind the vision in word. They don't just say nice things to each other, but they are practically supporting and, and giving and, and sharing grace. Well, as we come to the end of this, this message, I was just reflecting this morning on the fact that Barnabas and Saul spent a whole year teaching in this first visit. Spent a whole year teaching, but we don't have a website to download their sermons. And no one recorded any of their sermons except one. And that was the one that we began with when Barnabas said to them, hold on tight to God. Hold on tight. In 1992, in the Olympics, Derek Redmond, a British athlete, was in the semi-finals. He was tipped to go through to the finals and win the gold. He was in the best condition of his life. About 200, 250 meters into the uh, race, tragedy struck. His, his hamstring broke. And he decided to finish the race and someone came and gave him a helping hand. Take a look and let's reflect as we look at these images. Till 
pray together, shall we? Lord, we thank you today because for those of us who struggle and life is a matter of being wounded but still walking or running, we thank you that you didn't tell us what to do and then leave us to get on with it. And I pray that this message of Barnabas to the struggling saints in Antioch will land in our hearts today that we might be people who know how to hold on tight to you. Lord, before we continue into the stresses of another week, we take this moment in bowing before you to deliberately and consciously ask for your help and strength. And we pray today for those who battle sickness, financial fear, relational stress. And we pray that your hand will be with them and upon them. And then, Father, we pray too that you will give us grace to forgive grace to be gracious grace to be generous so that Lord this week in this community our lives might be trophies of grace living signs of the grace of God being spread around so we give you thanks and we give you praise and we declare that you are mighty and you are strong. Be strong with us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Everyone said? You don't have to do this, but if you'd like to, just hold your hand out in front, of me, in front of you just for a moment. And Lord, as we've been hearing about your hand being with these people, even in the toughest times, we open our hands and our hearts to you. And we ask you to put your hand in ours. And take us into a new week, your hand upon us, that grace might be discovered and seen. We agree together in Jesus' name. Amen. Two things. Number one, the prayer team is going to be here. If we can pray with you, we would love to. Secondly, if you hear a throaty roar of a motorcycle (laughs) a little later, that will be me leaving the building. So... Please be careful. Have a great weekend. The sun is shining. God bless you.